This episode may contain language or discussions that may be offensive or triggering. Refer to the episode summary for details. How many times have you questioned if you have the credentials or experience you needed? Today's conversation is going to help you silence the hater in your head so that you can make moves to build and sustain your fulfilling business. Hey, it's your business bestie, Charlene Ketchum, and welcome to the She Confidential Podcast. This is a special conversation for me because I got to chat with Alex Miner, who's the owner and founder of I Am Media. Alex and his team have been providing production support for this podcast, and it was great to go behind the scenes and learn how Alex turned his hobbies and curiosities into a profitable business. And now you get to check out our conversation too. Enjoy. So everybody is always anxious about video. And we know that video is like supreme, especially more than ever with social media, but everybody's really anxious about video when it's really the same as just traditional storytelling. So as someone who produces videos for a living, can you tell us about the elements of good storytelling? Mm, Elements of good storytelling. All right. Basic storytelling structure still applies when you're telling stories for your business, for your brand, um, which means that there's got to be a beginning, a middle and an end, you know, a path that people can actually follow. And then there's got to be some sort of goal or there's got to be something that you're looking to a point you're looking to get to or something that you're looking to attain by the end of the story, Um, whether you're the hero of the story or your audience is the hero of the story, your clients, your customers, uh, there's got to be like that problem in the story that the hero or protagonist is looking to solve. And you've got to, you've got to lead people through that journey. Um, If, if there isn't that goal there, if there isn't that payoff at the end, you kind of leave people guessing, like, what, what was this for? Like, what, why am I here? Why did I listen? Yeah. Can you accomplish that with only images, though? It's difficult to accomplish it with only images. Uh, and that's one reason why in the work that I do, I'm always encouraging people to get on camera and actually talk to people because it's a lot harder to make that connection, to hold people's attention, and to really get your point across if you don't actually talk to people, you know? And and I get it, you know, with social media the way it is and the internet the way it's developed, it's a gigantic worldwide judgment zone. So I understand the anxiety that some people might experience when it comes to getting on camera and talking about whatever they talk about. Um, there's also a lot of imposter syndrome, if you believe in that, and and because some people don't believe in imposter syndrome, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and and there are blind spots that people have to their own greatness, you know. And so what we try to do at I Am Media is help people get past that, um, help people tap into their truth and tap into their greatness and make it easier for them to tell their stories and to make those connections so that by the time somebody's ready to do business with you, or when it comes to the point where they're thinking about engaging with your company or your brand, like they've already done most of the decision-making process. They might have a couple of things they need, you know, specific information on to, to check those final boxes. But by the time they actually show up in your inbox, by the time they actually reach out, if you've been producing your content the, the right way, you should have you should have walked them through the process most of the way already. Yeah. So how have you how did you learn? How did you acquire all this wisdom over the course of your own business? <laughs> that is a long lumbering road. And I don't want to get into the whole origin story thing because I tend to <laughs> ramble. Uh, but what I will say is I'm kind of. I guess you could call it a a renaissance man or a hodgepodge of skills uh, because I started out wanting to be in the music industry, uh, both as a musician and as an audio engineer. Um, From there, I ventured into television news. From there, I ventured into uh, corporate live events. And from there is where I stumbled my way into producing videos. And that was a journey of at least 
you know, six, seven, eight years of going from point A to point B. Um, well, I guess it's more like point D or E or F or something. But <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to bore you with the details, but that's the short version. So it sounds like you're multi-passionate and multi-talented. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Like, how did you focus in on well, what you wanted to do? I'll, I'll give you a quote that I that I gave to another friend of mine during an interview once. I've always been an artist. It's just the brushes have changed over time. So I don't really look at it as being multi-passionate. Um, it's, it's just, I like to create. And what I like to create transforms and adapts over time. When I started, it was music. Then it, or, or actually when it really, really started, which when I was mad young, was writing. Um, now it's hard to get me to write. Like I, like I can't wrap my brain around sitting around and, and doing a bunch of copy. Like it's hard for me now, but that's where I started. And then it flipped into music. Now it's flipped into video. It's just, it's, it's still the same creativity. It's still the same imagination. It's just the, the way that I express it has transformed. I love that actually, because it's like you, you took this skill and this passion and you just keep building on it based on what your interest is. Yeah. It, cause, cause the thing is like, I am not naturally gifted in a lot of areas. Um, my whole family is smart. So I thank God every day for being as intelligent as I am. But yeah. when it comes to just like pure natural talent, I'm not like I, I have to work hard to get the skills like I, I build it up over time and and it's each step I've taken in the journey from, you know, doing creative writing when I was younger to then creative writing when it came to music, you know, writing raps and writing R&B lyrics and, and creating melodies and beats and things like that to now, um, you know, helping people put together uh, their video content, it's all those skills build off each other. And, and one of the reasons I think I am as good a video producer as I am, and not that I'm the greatest, I know, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no Spike Lee, but the skills that I've compiled give me a little something different from most video guys. Cause I'm not just, I'm not just a videographer. I'm not just a dude with a camera. I, I draw on my varied background to be able to help people produce a more well-rounded product that's going to have more emotional impact. You know, it's not just pretty images. Yeah. I, and you know, and I want to stay with that for a minute because I think that is so powerful, especially for people who are new entrepreneurs or people who are thinking about starting a business and they're like, I'm not the greatest at this. Like, can I really monetize it? Can I really build oh, a yeah. business doing this when I don't feel like I'm the greatest? I don't know everything. So how did you get started? Because you started off as, as a writer and you just said like, now you you don't want to do copy, <laughs> copywriting at all. But you started off writing and then you transitioned into video. So there was some gap, I assume, where you had this learning curve. So how oh, yeah. did you how did you navigate that? Pure stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably what I would tell you. Um, like, I don't like being mediocre. Uh, so when it came to, you know, I mean, I don't know that I was ever a great writer. I, um, I think I could put some words together. But when it came to music, like, I did the work. I studied, you know, like, you know, I was, I was rapping for years and, and producing hip hop and like, I studied other producers, you know, like I didn't just sit there and say, well, I'm, I'm great. You know, I, I studied producers. I tried to figure out techniques. I did a deep dive on the knowledge when I started getting into video. Um, you know, it started out as me just buying a camera because I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do some vlogs or maybe I'll help some of my friends who rap shoot music videos or they can help me shoot music videos. But the first time I turned on that camera, the images looked terrible. And I'm like, yo, I did all this research on this camera. Why does it not look like the guys that I'm watching? And so I had to start learning about lighting and composition and, and all these things. And I 
deep dove into YouTube University to the point where I haven't written or produced a new song in years because I've been so focused on learning and building my video knowledge. Um, and hopefully, you know, in, within the next six months or so, I'll start to get back to music. But but because I, I do want to be, you know, doing that as a hobby and maybe even creating another stream of income uh, with music licensing. But, you know, I had to take that deep dive. I had to go. I had to do the work. I had to do the work because I knew if I wanted to, even if I just wanted to be a YouTuber, I knew that there were the you. I wanted to have my stuff look as good as the YouTubers I was watching. You know, and so I had to figure out what they were doing. Um, and that was research. That was a lot of hours. And in you know, when people talk about that 10,000 hours to become an expert is real. And I mean, not saying that you actually have to put in 10,000 hours, but you got to do some research. You got to do some work. And if it's to the point where you're trying to monetize your knowledge, you got to be self-aware and cognizant of what level you're on. Right. Because mm -hmm. if you're trying to monetize physics knowledge, you're not going to try to monetize off of Albert Einstein. You're going to try to monetize off maybe kids who need physics tutoring. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to know everything. You just have to know more than the people you're serving and then be realistic about the product or the service that you're offering them. Do they actually need it? Is there demand in the market? Can you provide it or package it in such a way that they're actually getting value out of it? And does that value equal the price that you're charging? Um, or does the value exceed the price that you're charging, which is the way it should be? Yeah. And one thing I want to make sure that people know is that you didn't just talk about doing research. You talked about actually doing. And that's so important because I know a lot of people who are like, I'm still getting ready. I'm not ready. I'm researching. I'm still learning. And a lot of times you don't know what you don't know until you start doing it. And then yeah. you see those gaps and you go back to YouTube University, <laughs> like in your situation. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest, like I make a living off of video right now. And everything that I know about shooting video, I learned from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to film school. I have no formal background, um, but I've been feeding my family, you know, for the last two and a half, three years full time. And, you know, before a couple more years before that part time off of just research and trying it. Yes. Yeah. The, the magic comes from the doing. I just, you know, I was saying that to one of the ladies in our business systems coaching program that you have to just do it because when you do it, you gain that confidence. You find you are able to identify those gaps and you make connections with other people who are trying to do the same things as you or who might be further ahead than you are. And I love that you mentioned that you didn't have the formal training when you started doing this because a lot of people, they think, I got to go back to school. Like it drives me crazy. I hear people say that all the time. I feel I need like to go school get a is a black hole. I feel like school is a black hole. Um, and I say this as somebody who went to school. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I went to Hampton university for a couple of years. I went to full sale uh, for a year. It was a one year program. Um, so I have an AS in, in audio engineering. Um, and because that's what I wanted to do at the time. But I went to school for a specific purpose. I went there to learn more about audio engineering. I had some knowledge, but I knew that going to this school, um, I had specific reasons because I knew this was one of the best places to go for it. Two, I knew I was going to learn from some of the best people in the world, people who had been in the industry and actually had the hands-on experience working, living, breathing in this thing. It wasn't just an academic exercise for them. It was the real deal. And that's what I valued about going to those schools. Um, now, I left Hampton for a full sale because I felt like I wasn't getting my money's worth there. Um, and that's not to disparage Hampton. It was just that specific program. I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed. And I didn't really want to go to a four-year university in the, in the first place. I really went because... Um, two reasons. One, because I got a scholarship, an academic scholarship, and two, because my parents are traditional and they were pushing the four-year university. You can do full sale after. Like, yeah. and and once and once I got there, I was miserable. Um 
after the second year, I lost my scholarship because because I was miserable. It affected my work ethic and and I yeah. wasn't performing. And so I lost my academic scholarship. I went back for one more semester and I was like, I don't want y'all paying for this because I wasn't learning the skills that I thought I needed to learn, which made me feel like, um, you know, that degree at the end was going to be a waste of money. Yeah. And so I tell people now, not just based off of my personal experience, but of what I see out in the world and all the stats talking about people who, who go to college and then don't even end up in the field where their degree is like, do not go to school unless you have a specific need and a specific plan for that knowledge. Um, otherwise you are wasting your money. You're putting yourself in debt. Most of us, because a lot of people can't pay for school straight out the gate. Um, and you're, you're wasting time, you're wasting money, you're wasting opportunity. And so like, if you're doing something like you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're an engineer, something where it's a very specific skill set and a very specific body of knowledge that you need for that career path, I'm all for it. Education is wonderful. But there's so many resources now where you can self-educate or get specific education and upskill that I feel like the traditional four-year, five-year university model is a disadvantage for the majority of people. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I appreciate your transparency in that because I think a lot of times people think that they they either stay silent about, oh, I didn't go to school to do this formally because they think that that somehow means those credentials make them more qualified. And I always say to people, your qualifications are not just in degrees and licensures. Your qualifications are in your passion, your results, the transformations you've gotten for yourself and for other people. Like you got to dig a little bit deeper because there's a lot of folks out here who have the degrees and the licenses and I wouldn't fool with them. Exactly. Like that's just real. Right. Because uh, there's a, because like I said, I don't like to be mediocre. There's a lot of people with mediocrity um, in their career path that got degrees. And, and that's not to say like, I don't believe in education. I absolutely do. Cause yeah. um, one, I feel like I got what I wanted from full sale. Uh, do I believe I took full advantage of the opportunity? No, because I didn't understand the value of networking and relationships back then. Um, I'm an introvert. I was kind of stuck in my ways, um, as a lot of young people are. And, yeah. and um, you know, I didn't understand the value of making personal connections with the teachers, uh, you know, building really strong, long-lasting friendships with other students who, who were going to go off and you know, put themselves in different places in different industries. I didn't understand that. Um, you know, the whole network is your net worth. It's like now at 40, I get it. <laughs> but at like 21, 22, like over my head. Yeah. And how do you navigate that now as an introvert networking and just kind of putting yourself out there, even being on camera? The internet is a wonderful thing. <laughs> like <laughs> the internet is a wonderful thing um like and and also my history as as a performer and and um you know musician i think helps with putting myself out there and also like like just certain jobs i've had in the past like uh one of my first jobs was waiting tables at a Ruby Tuesdays in Virginia, one of like the second busiest Ruby Tuesdays in the country is in a mall called Pentagon City in Arlington. Um, part of the reason I took that job was because it forced me to interact with people. It forced mm -hmm. me to talk to new people every day. And, and on some level, I understood that being able to get out my comfort zone and talk to strangers was a skill I was going to need one day. Um, Cause, cause I was very, I'm, and I'm still very shy. Like, like, like once the ice is broken, once that initial introduction is done, I'm usually good, but it's that first step that, you know, jumping off into the unknown that, that makes me hesitate. Um, so on the internet, like I don't tend for some reason, I don't get that, you know, um, 
But even when I have to deal with people in person, it's just the thing of it, it's a mentality where it's like, this is business. You, you can't do that. Like, you want to eat? Yeah. Go talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you maximize what works for you, which I'm a big proponent of. Like, people are always like, oh, work on your weaknesses. I don't believe in that. I believe in plan of your strengths. If it's not something that makes you happy, if it's not something that you're really good at, you've got a lot of other things that you can work with. So just ignore the things or have somebody else manage the things you're not that good at and focus on what works in your comfort zone. Well, and I agree with that to an extent. Um, I think when you're first getting in started, first getting started in business, you can't completely do that because most of us start as solopreneurs, yes. right? And so for me, um, when I said I want to make my passion for video into a business. I, I understood that that meant I would have to sell video services. And I was real with myself and I said, you're a terrible salesman. You do not know how to sell. And so luckily I was able to go out and find a coaching program specifically for people trying to grow a business in video that gave me a framework for selling um, and taught me some principles and and things that I was able to employ in my business. It was a $2,000 program. And, and uh, I definitely made all that money back and way more, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But it was being real enough with myself to say like, I don't understand this. I don't have a frame of reference for this. This is a weakness, but if I'm going to survive, if I'm going to have a chance to actually build this business, I need to have this skill. Am I the best salesman ever? No, I probably fumbled the ball dozens of times, if not hundreds, but I've landed enough that I keep the roof on over the head. I keep the lights on. And and so there are specific weaknesses that I do think you need to address because it's a matter of survival. I think you need to be at least, you know, at least a, uh, a minimum level of competence in most of the areas of your business so that when you start to hand off those tasks to other people, you can tell whether or not you're getting screwed. Yes. <laughs> that Now, you know what? I'm so glad that you said that because... Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Even I learned that myself when trying to bring on like support staff and admin. At that time, I really didn't know what I was doing with She Confidential. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with the podcast or the coaching program. And it's really hard to delegate when you're still trying to figure things out and you mm-hmm. don't have your things streamlined yourself. And so I appreciate that you said that because it is so true. Like you do have to have a handle on what it is you're doing and how how you want to do it and what's the most effective way to do it. Because otherwise you bring other people in and they may come up with something that really doesn't align with your vision. And you can also get screwed, especially when it comes to your money and things like that. So yeah, you have to have an awareness of what's going on before you can effectively outsource and delegate. Yeah, and then um, I also... And, and like, I don't have a lot of experience with hiring, um, but like I hire freelancers, but I, I, I've never hired a full-time staff person yet. I'm on the lookout for my first full-time editor right now. Um, but I, I try to listen to people who are smarter than me, uh, one of them being Gary Vaynerchuk. And, and I agree with one of his principles that he says often, which is hire fast, fire faster. Um which because because he's like hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. And and so one thing that I believe hinders people when they're getting in that situation is we want to be polite. We want to be nice. We don't want to feel bad um, about, you know, getting rid of somebody or shelving somebody or, or telling somebody, hey, you fucked up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't. You, you know, we say that on here. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to maintain a civilized frame. Uh, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of times we try to be too PC, too nice. And mm-hmm. so we're, there's a lot of apprehension when it comes to getting rid of somebody. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's your business. The buck stops with you. 
And so if somebody is dragging you down or not doing something right, you got to address it before it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had to learn those lessons, like to communicate better with my guys, like when it comes to edits or when it comes to the way they shoot on, or, or, you know, or the way they conduct themselves on shoots with clients. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta take care of that self. Cause at the end of the day, it's my reputation. Like the, the company's not called Alex minor. It's called I am media, but everybody who's the client knows that I'm the guy. They, they're not looking for, they're not looking for Q. They're not looking for Nate. They're not looking for Victor or, or anybody else. They're looking for Alex when there's a problem. Um, and and so like I gotta handle that. And and that's not saying I'm perfect. I mess up, I drop the ball. Uh, but I try to to work continuously to get better. And that's all we can do, you know, operate with self-awareness and just being real with ourselves first. Cause sometimes you get in it and you're like, this is not a good fit, or I didn't know what I was doing, and so I gotta reset. And Everybody's just got to be okay with me resetting. It is what it is. So we've talked a lot about you and your business. Now I want to transition to getting in your business a little bit um, because we know as entrepreneurs, like people always talk about we're abandoning this hustle culture and I support that. But the reality of it is, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of us are solopreneurs when we're just getting started, which means you're doing everything, which can make it really hard to have any type of life outside of your business. And so you have a family and everything. How, how do you actually manage to have a life outside of your business? I will tell you over the years, I have not been the best at it. Um, Just being totally transparent. I am in the beginning stages of a divorce and part, one of the main complaints over the years was uh, my work schedule. But I was just, it. my thing was just like, I have a particular set of skills. And like, I don't know how to do nothing else. Uh, I haven't had a job since 2011. And and with the skills that I have, the industries that I'm in, um, it's not always go to work at nine, be home at five. You know, and and it's also been a building process. Like I, I'm not in the same place with my career as I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. Like it's it's transformed and morphed over time, and and like my family is important. I do try to prioritize creating time for my kids, um, but you know the the way that she viewed life is supposed to be and the way that I'm just real about life being didn't match up. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, as well as other things, but that, that was one of the, the major issues. Now, when it comes to the, when it comes to the thing of hustle culture and, and all of that, I believe hustle culture, at least in the beginnings of a business, unless you're very fortunate with the specific type of business that you have, mm-hmm. or you're doing something like, you know, maybe e-commerce or something where it doesn't necessarily require you to be hands-on, where it's, you know, you're setting up portals and things like that, or, you know, remote things that people deal with. They're not actually dealing with you on a daily basis. Um I think unless you have a business like that where it doesn't like require you to be Johnny on the spot, it's very difficult to not have to participate in hustle culture for at least a while. I do believe everybody should strive for the ability to set up processes or systems that allow you to start removing yourself from some of the day-to-day tasks. Like for me, um, a lot of the editing for a lot of our clients, I don't do anymore. Like there's an editor for your podcast. There's an editor for that does most of the work on another client's podcast. I mean, I do some of the final cleanup and tweaks. Um, but even so, my editor just told me the other day, it's like, yo, you need to show us what you're doing in the final stages so we could take that off your hands. Yeah. Um, 
And, and because like the way that I've grown up with all the things that I've done, a lot of the skills that I've gained is because I didn't have nobody else to do it for me. So I had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm at a point where I can get a client's budget to be at the point or we price our services at a price point where there is room in the budget for me to hire somebody else or the amount of products we have are such that I can't do all the work and still bring in new business. And like, you know, and and it's not to say like we're not drowning in work, but it's more than one man can handle at least more than one man can handle and actually sleep and actually take care of some kids. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Cause, cause I do try to be there as much as I can for the family, but, but the, at a point you just got to swallow the pill and be like, look, there's hours you got to put in, you know, there, the type of work that I do, it takes time. Videos don't get edited in 10 seconds. You know what I'm saying? The final video might be 10 seconds, but it ain't take 10 seconds to make, yeah. you know, like there, there are one minute videos out there that took a year to shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, you know, a lot of times people get confused about that. They think that the final time, the, they think that the the time span of the end product reflects the process and it doesn't. Mm-mm. No, no. And thank you for being real about that. Cause you know, I think as great as it is that we are talking about the importance of self-care, cause I'll tell you like as a workaholic, like I literally could work all day when I'm doing what I, and I'm very fortunate that I get to do what I love. Uh, I don't just have to do a job that I hate just to earn income anymore. And I haven't had to do that for a long time. But the downside of that is that I literally could work all day. I could get up at 5 a.m. and start working. And I could work until my body physically can't do it anymore. And my body has a high threshold for sleep deprivation, which is not good. And I've had to learn that because, you know, I... I I will break myself down just working because it's something that I enjoy. And if I can keep going, I'm going to keep going. And you're right. When, when you're building something, like you simply don't have the money or even you don't know where you need the help. You don't know exactly. where you need the help and you don't have the money to bring the helpers on, even if you kind of do know where you need the help. So you got to do it. You got to hustle for a while. And a lot of people are like, eh, I don't want to have to do all that. Well, you're getting, there's a season for everything. Now you can hustle smart and by hustling smart, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of things that maybe they don't need to be piling on all at once. So a lot, a lot of times we're doing way too much. And that includes looking at not just what you're doing at work, but in your personal life too. Like being real, I have friends, they volunteering at church, you know, they want to be foster parents, they adopting dogs and cats and stuff. I'm like, you already can't do everything you need to do in your business. Why are you piling all this other stuff on? So we got to be real about our capacity in its totality, not just at work, but your whole life. And for a season, you're probably going to have to hustle. But understand that can't be your way of life because then you'll burn out and then you'll start to hate the very thing that you loved. Exactly. And, and like I didn't start hiring freelancers until or at least yeah, I didn't, I didn't really start hiring freelancers until I landed a really big deal. Um, was it last year or the year before? Hmm. I, I landed like a, a like my it was my biggest deal to date. And when I got that first chunk of money, because it can't, it was like a three-month deal, um, I said, okay, I need to try to invest this money back into the business. And it it was like I I was already at that point being like, yeah, I think that was 2021. Um, I was already at that point being like, yo, even with the little bit of work that I, that I have, like the, just the editing is killing me. I need to, I I need to start bringing people in. Um, and I need to get used to it now so that it doesn't phase me anymore. Um, and becomes a regular thing. Cause I was talking to a friend of mine who owns a marketing agency in New York you know, much bigger, works with enterprise clients. And I asked him, but he started with just himself. And I asked him like, yo, what's it like having to hire somebody? And he's told me like, the first time you're going to be nervous as hell. 
and you're and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it's you're going to be scared about you know being responsible for somebody's income. He's like, but now it's just it's just part of business. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, as as freeing as it is when we think about bringing on help, that is another responsibility. It's another obligation, you know. And you may not ever need full-time staff. It may just be you have a rotation of freelancers that you can build up and train and trust to fill certain roles and certain gaps in the business. And that's fine. Like there are plenty of people with successful businesses that have no full-time employees, but they got that army of virtual assistants or they got those freelancers or they have a network or of uh, other business owners that they hire in to, to do specific tasks. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of those business models. It's what works for you. And can you deliver on the promises that you make for your clients? And as long as they're happy and you're happy and everybody gets paid, do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. You're the boss. You're the boss. So one of my last questions for you, speaking of promises, like what is one of the promises that you have made for yourself? Like, professionally or personally um geez that's a good question because i, I <laughs> that might be your your project to think about like what is your promise um, for yourself to figure this shit out <laughs> yeah <laughs> to get to get better to figure this out because like like i said before i'm not naturally talented at many things um and definitely not at being a businessman like like that first coaching program I mentioned ain't the only one that I've taken. I, I've had mentors. I, I'm in masterminds with other video business owners um, where part of it is educational. A part of it is just having a network of people who are going through the same struggles so that so that we can bounce ideas off of each other and give each other feedback. And, you know, if somebody's going through something. Oh, I've been through that, too. This is how I handled it. Um you know, like, like I need that. Cause like, I don't know what the F I'm doing. Like, like I don't. Nobody does. And, and <laughs> I think part of the reason I've gotten as far as I have is because I haven't been afraid of looking in the mirror and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to get help. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. And very, and contrary to what people think, very few people are actually born just naturally gifted and skilled you know even serena williams who i think is absolutely amazing still practiced like ridiculous amount of hours she still practices like you can be born with a baseline but you have to develop it and refine it and that's an everyday thing and then life be life and so shit's gonna happen mm -hmm. where you're gonna fall off you gonna mess up big time like you're not always gonna live and behave like a champion but the key is to learn how to regroup and to learn when maybe it's time for me to pivot and do exactly. something else. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Um, I do know, like, I think I have discovered a passion for business in general. Um, I want to get, I want to get this business to the point where I am more hands off with a lot of the actual work product. Um, I want to get better at the business side of it, at the lead generation, at the negotiation, at the sales. Um, and eventually I do want to buy other businesses or start other businesses. Um, I, I, like I've been getting that itch uh, mainly because a creative business can be really hard to scale. And yeah. And I do want to scale. And, and, and part of the reason that I'm even like, I never really looked at myself as ambitious. It's just, I look at other people and see what they're doing. And I'm like, I don't think they're smarter than me. And, yeah. and it's like, if they can do it and they're not smarter than me, why can't I do it? There you go. And, and not saying that I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses because I'm not, I've never been trendy. I've never been, uh, I've never been the type of person who wants to jump on a bandwagon. But when something piques my interest, which now having, you know, been 
without a job or, you know, full-time employment for over 10 years, um, you know, I think I finally accepted the mantle of entrepreneurship because I was, I, I, like that whole entrepreneur label, like I never liked it because that's never what I wanted to be. Um, I don't call myself a CEO. I don't call myself any of that stuff because it's like CEO of who? Like, <laughs> right, it's just me like, over here. Right. So like when you hear people, I'm a CEO, I'm, I'm a, like, nigga, please. Whatever you need to tell yourself to be happy. Right. Right. Like, so, and I still don't want to call myself a CEO uh, or, or any of that stuff, but it's like, I do want to learn to be uh, an employer, a good employer. I do want to learn to be a good businessman. And I think just the, the technical side of my background and of my mind looks at finding another business that is scalable and not dependent on something as ephemeral as creativity, a technical challenge that I want to master. Yeah. And I mean, the money be nice too. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not greedy, man. I just, I just want to make enough money where I don't have to worry about money. Yeah. And there is, you know, I think we have this tendency to apologize for, or to, to justify why we want more money, but we should all want more money. Like, I don't know if you've read Rachel Rogers, we should all be millionaires, but it's- I have a copy. I haven't cracked it open yet. Or check out the audio book. Like I'm a big audio, like I have the hard copy. I listen to the audio book too, because I, I tend to get to those faster. Um, but the gist of it that she really emphasizes is that we all should be millionaires because money gives us opportunities and choices that we otherwise would not have. And we need to have that because we're supposed to live abundantly joyful, like awesome lives. And when we're constantly have to generate money, that's stifling us. So you need to make money and make lots of it. And yeah. don't apologize for it. And and I, and I don't feel bad about wanting to make more money um, because the thing is, it, it, like it's amazing how adaptable humans are, right? Um, and yeah. it's because the amount of money that I can make in a one day deal now um, is more than I used to make in a month when I had a full time job. And mm -hmm. I and I don't say that to brag. It just makes me realize that when I had that full time job, I wasn't making shit. <laughs> That's Hey, that's, that's the real, that's for real. Like that's and, real. And it blows my mind because it's like the amount of money that I make now, it, it's more than was my, you know, first goal when I was entering adulthood. Like I always knew I wanted to make six figures because my parents made six figures. My mom, my mom was a lawyer. She made whatever she was making. And I was like, I need to get at least close to that. Because I want to be able to provide my kids with the same kind of life or better than my parents provided to me. And I feel like if I can't do at least what my parents did for me, then I'm failing. Um, and, and so that was always like my sticker of success was if I reached that goal. Now that I'm there, I'm sitting looking around like, man, this shit's expensive. <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> Like, yeah, like this money ain't. Sh <laughs> no, like, it's not. It, you really can't compare and, it to what your parents were doing. <laughs> right. So it's so it's like it's like, how do I get to six figures? And I still feel like, you know, if I don't have X number of dollars in my account at all times that I'm broke with with more money than I used to have in a month in my account, I still feel <laughs> like I'm broke. And it's just like it. it, it it, this shit is crazy. <laughs> right. And it's and it's just like, like if if you know, if you spoke to 23-year-old me and and showed him like, hey, you gonna have this amount of money in your bank account every day, he'd be like, bullish. <laughs> <laughs> and 40-year-old me is sitting around like, nigga, you need to step it up. <laughs> and 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 so and that's why, like, you know, when I listen to people who have, you know, made millions and stuff and I'm hearing them talk about money and and things like that, it's just like, it's like, man, it's like it's every level there's it's it's almost like there's just another level of broke. 
and 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 not to, and and part of that I say is because like God bless my parents, you know, mom, dad still alive, everything, and and they did good, um, but they never taught me anything about money. They didn't talk to me about money at all, you know, not how to buy a car, not how to buy a house, and and I think it just kind of slipped their minds, or they just figured that I would figure it out. Um, you know, I don't come from a broken home. I didn't grow up in the hood, like nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pro- we're probably the closest thing to the Huxtables you're going to meet. <laughs> um, yeah. Although we're a little weirder. Uh, but, you know, they didn't teach me none of that stuff that, you know, they didn't teach me the stuff that, you know, Billy Kincaid's parents are teaching him. You know, mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't buy me a they didn't buy me an apartment complex for my 18th birthday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They they didn't teach me about investments and mutual funds and, and all that stuff. And because if they had, I probably would have made way less dumb decisions in my 20s. Uh, and 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 that's why I talk, especially with other business owners and people who want to build businesses. Like, I'm always like, yo, let's talk about the money. Cause because it's like the reason white people and business people and and all these folks who are making it have it is because they ain't afraid to talk about it and too many of us in the black community and in minority communities in general that are afraid to talk about it Mm -hmm. yes you're spot on you're spot on i mean it's it's real as much as we love what we do like we need to be making money and managing it is even more important than than how we make it because if you're not you don't know how to manage it how to multiply it You'll just be working for the rest of your life. Yeah, and and we like, to do it. well, I mean, I don't mind working for the rest of my life, like, uh, but I don't want to have to. Right? Yeah. When you're I want it to be a choice. Ninety-five. You don't like, want to I, still be working unless I mean, you want to. Like, it I just probably still will. Like, I get bored, man. Like, I need to. Like, I always feel like there's something I can be doing. Like, I can't. I, I you can't know what imagine doing something sitting, for me is like. A adventure like travels like I would I would be perfectly look I was I was born like I, I had a different life in a last in a previous life <laughs> like where I had people taking care of me they did everything for me and I just enjoyed every day so I have some of that still in me for my past life so I would be completely content I would still do things that bring me joy but I definitely wouldn't work like a lot I, I wouldn't be working every day unless it was something that truly brought me joy. And I would travel a lot. I would spend a lot of time playing with animals. I'd be hugging people I like a lot. I, I would be enjoying good food and wine. Like, I wouldn't be working much. Well, <laughs> I'm being I mean, honest. like, there's, there's work and there's work and there's work. You know? Right. I mean? Like, because I feel like the most successful and, and the smartest people, you know, they set things up. So, like, yeah, they do work. But they're working like a couple hours a day. There you go. You know what I'm saying? And That's and so opinion. like if I can if if I can get things to that point, like yeah, I'll keep working till I'm dead. If as long as it's not like, you know, eight, ten, twelve hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Not trying. I, I need something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I need goals. I need something to do. And and like I've never been the type of person who and I mean, maybe it's the way that I grew up because we we weren't the family that took tons of vacations and and did a ton of traveling other than to see relatives and stuff. So for me, nice. like for me, like going to a city and just to just explore and post up other than uh, other than like, you know, trying to take a food tour or something because I like to eat. Um, it, it's kind of weird. And like, yeah, go see the sites, go to the museums. I'm kind of like, eh. Like, let's go see some restaurants, okay? But what are we doing in between that? I'm not eating the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I have to send you info about some adventure trips because you could totally do it and have an amazing time. Absolutely. I'm willing to be educated, so. (laughs) Yes. I will send you info. So my last question for you is, what do you want your legacy to be? See, I've... And and this is probably going to get me into trouble with a lot of black people because they be talking about it all the time. I don't really believe in legacy. That's I okay. That's I don't, okay. Like the whole concept of legacy just seems very 
it, it seems very full of oneself. Uh, like the same way that I'm like, I don't like the the whole entrepreneur CEO thing, the way that it, that way that most people talk about it. I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't believe in legacy. Cause I, cause like, do I want to leave something behind for my kids? Do I want to, do I want to make sure that they're set up for success in life? Yeah. And, and I guess if there was any legacy I believed in, I just, it, it would just be teaching my kids enough so that they know how to not just survive, yeah. but to be successful in this world. Um, teaching them the stuff that my parents didn't teach me, you know, teaching them to be uh, more aware of their health, physical and mental, teaching them how, teaching them how to acquire skills so that they can get paid what they're worth. Um, so whether they choose to have a job or whether they choose to start a business that they can do it and, and do well at it. Um, I don't want my kids. I want my kids to have choices. And if there's any legacy, that would be it. That my kids have choices. Yeah. That's a legacy. Even though you're uncomfortable with calling it that. (laughs) That's a legacy. That's an awesome legacy. Well, thank you, Alex. Can you share? So for everybody in the audience, y'all know how it goes. All of Alex's info will be in the show notes on the YouTube channel and in the description box for the podcast. But can you share your website info for those who are excited and want to go check you out right now? Yeah, you can uh, go check me out at immedia.com. The website is currently in need of an overhaul, I will admit, but that's one of that laundry list of business ownery things that I need to get to. Uh, so if you want updated activity, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm trying to show up there more. Uh, you can look for me on Instagram, the Alex Miner. Uh, and I'm going to, st- I promise I'm going to start posting on TikTok. I promise I'm going to start posting on TikTok. <laughs> you start hanging out on TikTok so you can kind of explain TikTok to me more because I still. Well, I hang TikTok. out on there. I, I, I consume content because I'm learning the platform and seeing how people create. <laughs> Uh, but I haven't started posting a lot of stuff. Like, with, it's in the works. I'm prepping content right now. Okay. Well, I'll be following you there as well. So, thank you so much. Make sure you like, subscribe, and sign up for notifications so that you don't miss any She Confidential podcast episodes. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.